Thank you, Brother Zach. You may be seated this morning. Uh, this, this week as I was studying for the word of the Lord and I was studying this, uh, this message, there's a lot of different things that we can preach out of 2 Kings chapter 7. Matter of fact, I have preached uh, several times out of that chapter and there's a lot of good stuff in there that if you don't really dissect and if you don't really pay attention to, you'll never even see it. You'll just read over it. And I got to looking into there and I got to thinking about some of the old sermons that I had preached about this sermon and all of a sudden a thought came to me and I thought, I'm gonna put that back down, that's good stuff and I started developing it and in the middle of developing it the Lord just changed the total direction a complete total direction of the initial thought that I had and you know as a preacher you got to be careful because you want to go back to those original thoughts because that's what inspired you and I, as I begin to follow this path I begin to think God I, I've never really thought of it in the way that you have presented it and then I have to be very careful because some of the stuff that you like out of this chapter and you, you know that's very inspirational that's very encouraging, that's, the, you know, you want to try to interject those kinds of things, and yet the Lord just kind of wants me to stay in that vein and in that path that he took me in. So just bear with me as we try to preach the word of the Lord to you here today. It is here that we see an interesting story about four lepers who learn about uh, progression through their problems and deliverance through their dilemma. Have you ever found out that a lot of times you learn things by the things that you go through? How many, how many can equate to that kind of a thing? And it is here that we see four Four lepers who lived outside of the city walls of Samaria. They had lived on the outside of the walls because they were considered what we call contaminated and contagious because of their leprosy. People in the city would throw scraps over the wall for them to eat and it would be there that they would eat those scraps while sitting there in the dirt and that was their lives. Every day the people would eat and when they got there done with their scraps they would take it and throw it over the wall. It would land upon the ground and there those lepers sat there day in and day out night and day, and that's how they lived, eating and scrapping from the scraps of Samaria. And I think this can be symbolic and representative of people that sit behind what we call walls and barriers, spiritually speaking. And they exist by eating the scraps that's thrown at them from those that prosper around them that eat from the master's table. Every single morning, Sunday morning, Sunday night, we come into this place, and there are people that literally partake of the word of the Lord. And they know how to get involved and they know how to open themselves up. They know how to be sensitive. It's there that they feast upon the word of the Lord. But there are other people that come in here, but there's walls, there's barriers, there's strongholds that dictate to them. And they can't seem to get beyond the barrier in order to get into the presence of God. They're here, but yet they're not here. They're here, but there's barriers and there's walls. And it's the same with these four lepers. I hear people all all the time. This is what they say. They just say, well, I just get blessed by watching everybody else get blessed. Have you ever heard people say that? And it's kind of like an excuse that's uh, the reason why they don't get in. But the truth of the matter is there is a wall there. There is a barrier there that keeps them from getting what they really want. Uh, the truth of the matter is it may be good that you see other people blessed, but you can't live by that. Every single one of us in this building have to have an encounter and an experience with God for ourselves. I can't live off what you get. You can't live off 
what I get. And even though it is contagious and even though it's communicable and even though my life can bless yours and your life can bless mine, yet there comes a time when we have to get alone and be sensitive to the presence of God for ourselves and say, here I am, Lord. I need you. Can I have an amen? But these lepers sitting behind the walls is kind of like what we would call symbolic of being watchers but not partakers, spectators but not participators. There are two types of people that dwell in the midst of every congregation and every church, even around the world. There's what we call the insiders and there's what we call the outsiders. Jesus always had these two types of people even around him. He had his inner circle. He had his 12 disciples who turned into 70, who turned into 120, who turned into thousands and thousands, who went around turning the world upside down. But Jesus not only had the insiders, but he had those that stood afore off, that gazed at him, that looked at him, that watched him, that observed him, that was there. There were multitudes of many, many times around him, and there was what we call out of every single one of those multitudes, there were what we call throngers, and then there were touchers. How many knows what I'm talking about? It's like the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus said, who touched me? He said, what do you mean, who touched you? There's all kinds of people that's touched you. He said, no, they're just throngers. They're not really touching me, but there's been one that has touched me by faith, for I felt virtue and I felt power come out of my body. I don't want to be somebody that just comes into the sanctuary and becomes a thronger. I want to become a toucher, don't you? I don't want to be somebody that stands afore off. I want to be in the mainstream of what God is doing. I want to be able to recognize the presence of God when it's moving among us. I want us to be sensitive. I want to have somewhat a, a discernment of what God's wanting to do, and I want to get right in the full full throne of uh, the full throttle of what God's wanting to do and let him bless my life. Do you want God to bless you this morning? If you do, give him a hand clap of appreciation of what he's about to do in your life. Hallelujah. But the insiders are those who take advantage of the open access to the throne of God that they have through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Those of you of us that are believers that have allowed our walls to be torn down and allow our strongholds to be removed, we have free access into the throne of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. There we can let our petitions be known. There we can come in with praise and honor and glory. There's a lot to that. But while the outsiders are a different kind of people, they're not the ones that take advantage of the open access to the throne of God, but they're the outsiders of those that sit outside of the realm of the Spirit, eating the crumbs that fall from the master's table, that fall from what everybody else is receiving. They watch and they see. They see the manifestations, they, but they get crumbs from off of our lives. The insiders enjoy the table spread, and they taste and see that the Lord is good, like the psalmist suggests. They grow, they mature, and they're nurtured by the Spirit they learn to live in the realm of the spirit. They know how to walk in the spirit so they won't fulfill the lust of their flesh and their lives become fruitful and their lives become productive. But then there are those that live on the outside behind walls, barriers, strongholds, and, and that has formed flawed beliefs in their minds. Those barriers lie and they deceive and, and they cheat them out of so much of life. and They give them uh, wrong philosophies and wrong ideas about church, about 
God, about the Spirit. It's just a bunch of a, a bunch of walls that stand there. Maybe it's things of the past that injustices and hurts that we talked about last week that's built those walls. Every congregation has people that come in, and though they're inside of the church, they're not like the lepers sitting outside of the church. Yet they're here, but there's a wall between them and God. There is a wall of resistance. There is a stronghold. There's a barrier. There's an enslavement that keeps them enslaved. And every time they want to move, that wall speaks to them. That wall mocks them. That wall ridicules them. That wall intimidates them. That wall lies to them and cheats them out of becoming a partaker and an insider like Jesus wants you to. Before I get any further in this sermon, let me tell everybody in here, it's God's 100% will, 100% of the time for everybody, not just part of us, for all of us to become insiders into the inner circle with him. Can you say amen to that? We're going to get that out right out of the front. Amen. But these are the people that eat the crumbs when they could have been the ones that have enjoyed the total feast of the Lord. They miss out on so much because of those barriers. It's so easy to allow your limitations to keep you from excelling and bind you to a status quo life by walling you out of the mainstream move of the Holy Spirit. There are many times, and I stand amazed as a pastor, why that the Holy Spirit can be moving and there's such uh, open revelation and manifestation of the Spirit, but there are people that seem to just simply can't step over into the stream of God. It's some don't want to, some they want to, but they can't because of the barriers. There's some that's being pulled, that's being drawn, and yet they are, they're resistant. But you know what? There is a mainstream every Sunday morning when you come here, if you have a sensitivity, because God meets with those who meet with him, amen? That's just the way it is. Where two or three are gathered together in his name, he's in the midst of us. And you got to look for him and you got to be sensitive. You will not find him among the noise and among the crowds if you don't have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Oh God, help me preach here this morning. And I'm here to tell you that it's time for you to open your eyes. It's time for you to see today because God's standing right in your midst to come to your rescue if you'll just allow him to touch you and to bless you here today. God does not want his people bound. God does not want people shackled. God doesn't want people sitting behind walls eating scraps and crumbs when he's got a table spread that is greater than what you and I can ever even anticipate or even hope for. God has so much more for us that we, that we, that we even us insiders, are not taken full advantage of. But it's easy to allow your strongholds and your walls and your barriers keep you from entering into your called destiny. The lies the enemy has made you come to believe and, and the beliefs that he's put into your head about yourself and about by others and he lies. If he can't get you to feel bad about yourself to where you, you know you're condemned to where you can't move, that he'll make you self-righteous to where everybody else is wrong and they're hypocrites. And he knows how to lie to us and he knows how to keep us from getting into our destiny. He's the father of lies. He's the master of deception. And it's easy to allow your present situation to dictate to you your present faith. This reminds me of this little of a little Canaanite woman who came to Jesus 
Jesus in Matthew chapter 15. You remember the story probably. But she comes to Jesus and she asks him, says, will you heal my daughter because she's tormented by a demon? It's a serious request. The Canaanite woman recognizes that it is a demonic spirit that is tormenting and vexing her daughter. And she comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, please come and heal my daughter. The Canaanite woman was a pagan, which is symbolic of these four lepers because leprosy in scripture represents sin. It represents the sinner. It represents those that's not in the faith, those that's not been born into the kingdom of God. And in her request, she referred to Jesus as the Jewish Messiah because she called him the son of David. She had a knowledge of who this guy was. That's why she came to him. She had an understanding that this is the Messiah. This is the one that can help. This is the Jewish Messiah. This is the son of David. And upon her request, we see that Jesus answered her not a word. He just totally ignored her. She comes and asks, Lord, will you come and heal my daughter who's vexed of a devil? This is a serious situation. And Jesus never even responded. Have you ever been there? Let me ask you, how many of you have ever felt like that you have had prayer requests up to God and there was no answer? We hear all the time a preacher saying how important it is to pray. Well, there's times we try to pray and everybody says that God answers prayer and he does. But the truth of the matter is some of us has tried it. Nothing seemed to happen. Nothing seemed to change. It seemed like that you got no answers. It seemed like your prayers hit the ceiling and bounced back down at you. Has anybody ever lived that? Oh yeah, we've all lived that. All of us live those kinds of times. Have you ever prayed and it seemed like that God was not listening? Have you ever prayed repeatedly only to feel like that you've been rejected and that heaven's phone lines were busy and you couldn't get through? I think all of us has experienced that and this is what this little lady was experiencing. Sometimes there's a struggle in order to become an insider. Did you hear that? Sometimes there is struggles in order for us to become an insider. I want you to know that if you want the the realness of God and you really want to know him, you don't have to sit back and say, I wish I could be like so-and-so. I wish I could have what they have. I wish that that man or that woman would pray for me. I wish, I wish, I want to tell you, quit wishing that kind of a thing because the very God that they have and manifest and possess is the very God that wants to do the same thing for you. Hallelujah, he wants to leave no one out. Are you here to hear me today? God's given me a word for this congregation and we better hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying because God does not want to leave anybody out. God loves you too much to leave you behind and God's given this pastor a word for you today that you no longer have to sit and scrap and eat your crumbs that God says I got a table that's spread come on my son, come on my daughter, it's available, it's for you, it's for everybody that wants to be a partaker of the Lord. Give the Lord praise, come on give him praise, amen. Sometimes you got to allow enough passion to become built up in you to where you can push past your problems in order to receive because the devil is not going to allow you to just sit there and come to him without any kind of a struggle. Them walls are going to be screaming. Them walls are going to be mocking. Them walls are going to be ridiculed. Quit listening to the voices of the walls and start listening to the word of the Lord. Can I have an amen? You, you, you must desire to, uh, your desire to obtain must be greater than the pain that you have to occur to go through it. That's their struggle sometimes to become an insider. You have to pack up and you have to walk away from your securities. But let me tell you something, folks. There's no securities in eating crumbs. 
That's not a security. It may be a wife. You know, it, it, it really, really, uh, it, it, I don't understand it. But there are people that literally sit out here on the street corners with a bucket begging instead of getting a job. This really don't make any sense for me because it's it's, that's hard work. Sitting out in the hot sun all day long with a bucket, hoping that somebody will come by and throw a little bit of change your way, hoping somebody, and yet they're well-able men and women. And yet, you know, I don't understand that. Because I want to tell you something. This pastor don't want to be someone that's sitting behind the walls of indifference. But I want to be in the mainstream of the presence of God where there's a life-flowing spirit that brings prosperity and fruitfulness to our lives. Amen? It seems that Jesus was ignoring and rejecting this woman, but we know that's not the case because of what John 6.37 says. That whosoever would come to him, he would in no wise cast out. God's not here to reject anybody, though there may seem to be hindrances and fights and struggles to get to him. Yes, there was with even Daniel. Daniel prayed and for 21 days his prayer was hindered. Yes, there's times of great struggle to get to him. And it isn't him that is, that's causing the struggle. It's all of the demonic forces in ourselves in our own struggle that is, that is causing us to have such a fight to get to him. But not only does it seem that this Jesus, that, that, that this Jesus, this son of David, had shunned her and ignored her, but his own disciples urged Jesus to send her away for the ruckus that she made. So we see that not only did Jesus not respond to her plea, but his own followers were trying to shut him up as well. There's always obstacles. Then Jesus finally speaks to her, which becomes another problem to her. Have you ever had Jesus speak to you in a way that seemed like to be a problem it was for her? Because he says, I was seen only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, she kept going and kept on, and finally he get, she gets his attention. But when he answers her, it's not the type of answer that we thought that she thought that she wanted to hear. And there's times that God gives us answers that sometimes we don't want to hear either. But he tests her. And he says to her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, he was stating that he was sent on a mission to the Jews and not to the Gentiles in which she was. In other words, I've not come to the Gentiles as of right yet. I, my mission and my main meat is to minister to the lost house of Israel. I've come to the Jew first. Instead of giving up after hearing Jesus' response, I would have given up by then. The Bible says she knelt before him and worshiped and cried saying, Lord, help me. Now she's not only been rejected by Jesus by his response, but she falls down, she cries, she asks for help, and she worships him. Now to the woman's persistence, Jesus finally replies again. It's not a good reply. Listen to what he says. It, it isn't right to take the children's bread now watch this and throw it to the dogs. Now I'm not going to get into this thing about the dogs. There's several different commentaries saying different things. But the word dogs here actually refer to the unregenerated, the unsaved, the Gentiles, and sometimes refers to a pagan woman. He was not calling her a dog like most people think. That was a terminology that she understood. And it was the best translation for us to understand what was taking place there. But what Jesus was saying here is the things that you ask for is only for the regenerated. It's only for the saved and not for the sinner. There is a special privilege, and there are special privileges, I should say, and benefits that the believer has that does not belong or apply to those of unbelief. Did you know that? How many realize that there are benefits in being saved? Amen? There is a portion that only belongs to the household of faith. 
There's a portion that only belongs to the believer. Amen. There are blessings that God pours out only upon people of faith. That's the benefits. That's what Psalms 103 says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Oh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his friend's benefits. A God that forgiveth all iniquity and heal all diseases. Them are to the saints. Them are to the household of faith. I could give you all kinds of privileges that the church has that the world doesn't have. That God has obligated himself to the believer. Can I have an amen? But Jesus was saying, it's not right for me to give you the portion of the house of faith's inheritance. That's for them. It's not for you. But again, we see her not giving up, and this is what she says. Even the dogs eat the crumbs, to notice that, that fall from the master's table. This was like the four lepers sitting outside of the walls, eating the crumbs, the leftovers, the scrap that fell from the table of the insiders. Isn't it odd how that a lot, it's a lot easier to allow circumstances to overtake you and control you than it is for you to push past the barriers and become a partaker for yourself. It's easy to sit in that chair and let a wall lie to you and you just sit there. It's a lot easier to do that than it is to push past that, get out of your chair and dare to do something different. Come on, somebody help me preach. It's a lot easier to just sit and let you let crumbs fall your way than it is to come in the spirit realm and partake of everything that God's got for you. It's easier to settle for crumbs instead of pursuing and pressing into productivity. That sometimes can be a struggle. That sometimes can be hardship. Those that are fruitful, they didn't get there by being lazy, nor did they not get there without a fight because we have to fight the good fight of faith. Can I have an amen? There is a fight that you and I have to faith. And, every, and I have to fight to hang on to what I got and I got to fight to continually get more of what I want. It is a fight. It is a struggle. It's what's called spiritual warfare and you got to be willing to do it. You got to be willing to put forth the effort. There's a many a people that sit on the sidelines and watch while everyone else runs the race of life and fights the good fight of faith. As a matter of fact, there are people that are spoiled rotten to where mom and dad and grandma and grandpa is trying to fight the good fight of faith for them. Let me say this. Your prayers, your love, your devotion makes a difference, but I want to tell you, there'll come a time they'll have to fight that fight, that fight for themselves and they'll have to run that race for themselves because you can't take it all the way for them. And those of you that's sitting there, well, Grandma prays me through it all the time. There'll come a time that you're going to have to pray it yourself. Because Grandma can't take you to where you need to go. Grandpa, you can't go on on the shirt sleeves of somebody else's faith. Can I have an amen? You've got to have faith for yourself. You've got to be able to muster up and learn how to become a child of God and participate in the things that God wants you to participate in. These people are inspired by the activity of others. They're intrigued by what goes on in their lives. They're curious of the things that happen in the Spirit. They're desirous to look into the things of the Spirit. They love the results of what they see. It intrigues them, but it seems like they're never able to push past the curiosity stage and enter into the contest. There are many people in churches all over America that said they're curious, they're desirous, they're wanting, but yet they're hindered, yet they're behind a wall, yet they're shackled, that they're imprisoned. They're not able to enter into the realm of the spirit. However, it's these people that have a belief in God. They know he exists, but their knowledge is the lowest form of understanding of God that there is. This is caused by them only eating crumbs from the table. These are those that have heard that have seen and been touched by the Spirit. They've eaten the crumbs. 
They cannot deny that there's a God. There are people that come in here who are not even believers who sit in our services and by the crumbs that fall their way, it gives them revelation that there is a God that exists. Come on. That God's real. That church is real. I've had people say, when I walk in there, I feel something. They can't even identify what it is that they do feel. They just know they feel something. It's just a different atmosphere. Oh, I like what I feel. They like what they feel, but they don't even have enough knowledge of what it is that they're feeling. All they know is that they come here and they find some kind of relief because of the atmosphere that's charged by the presence of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That's why they call the sanctuary a city of refuge. Hallelujah. It's a place where people can come in hurting and they feel better and they don't even know why. It's just that there's a presence here. But they, but you know, and these, they, these uh, this is caused by them eating crumbs only from the table. These are those that have heard and seen and been touched, but they've never stepped over into the realm of the Spirit for themselves. They've watched others. They've seen it, and by what they see and by what they hear, they cannot deny that God's real, for they see it in the lives of others. They look at the lives of the living epistles that's before them, the salt and the light that's before them, and they can't deny that God's real because that man there was healed and that man was touched. And man, what man, when he got up and done what he done, something touched me. There's an anointing upon the people's lives. It's the insiders. But they have they themselves have never stepped over into the realm of the Spirit and become an insider for themselves. This woman was considered cursed because the prophets had already denounced the Gentile city that she was from. She was a Canaanite. She was a Gentile. Therefore, she was not being accepted at this time. And here she was, what seemed to appear as being ignored and shunned by Jesus. She was rejected by his followers and invited to leave his presence by them. She was told by Jesus that he wasn't there to minister to her, only to the household of faith, to the household of Israel. And she has prayed, she has worshipped, she's beseeched, and yet it still appears that nothing's happening. I would have given up. How many of you would have given up? I would have walked away. I would have said, with some Messiah here. I would have thought, I'd gotten mad. I would have probably got angry, but not her. You know what? She was persistent, and she finally presses in and touches him by faith. Folks, I want to tell you, to become an insider, it's not only a faith. You have to push. You have to press. You have to struggle. You have to hunger. you got to thirst. The devil is not going to allow you just to get up so freely and come. you got to make up your mind. Hell or high water, I'm going to the presence of God here today. Make up your mind. Come on. There is struggle in this thing. I'm not telling you there's not. You're all concerned about what people will say and what, what you know, and, and, and what, what, how they're going to mock you and what all you got to get. Don't worry about what you got to give up or what you don't have. To. Just come as you are without one plea. Oh, that the blood was shed for thee. Amen. Got to work out the details. Quit trying to work it out before you ever get here. Let God bless you in a way that God wants to bless you. Can I have an amen? She finally says, yes, Lord, I understand what you're saying to me, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. And it is here that Jesus says, woman, your faith is great. <laughs> oh, I wish I could preach right there for a while. Woman, your faith is great. Well, don't you want the Lord to look down at you and say, oh, your faith is great. Hey, there was times he looked at his own disciples and said, oh, ye, why you fear? Why do you have little faith? But here he looks at a Canaanite woman, a cursed woman who presses through, who will not be denied. And she says, hey, 
I want you to know it's true that you've come to feed the house of Israel, but I want to tell you something. This old dog said it's your table, and even the dogs eat from the crumbs of the master's table. And she said, he says, hey, you got my attention. Your faith is great. And the next thing the Bible says, guess what? He healed her daughter. Now, this was the day that the outsider became an insider. That was that very day. This is the day that she became a doer instead of a hearer only. This is the day that she pushed beyond the wall and entered into that inner circle. Instead of her just sitting by, watching, observing, and looking, she decided, hey, I'm going to enter in today and become a participator instead of a spectator. This was the day that she made a choice that would forever change her life. There's somebody here today, the choices you're going to make today is forever going to change the course of your life. Amen? It was the day that she received the benefits and the portion of the spirit of the inner circle that she had never experienced before. And her daughter was healed from the vexation of a demon. And this was the first time that she was able to sit and enjoy the, the, the feast of the Spirit's blessings. Can you imagine? When you break over that thing and you finally say, man, I, 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 when you look back at the crumbs and the scraps, the picking, the scratching that you've done to survive, and after you get out from behind those walls and you get back and you press through those resistance and you finally get to Jesus and he blesses you with the feast of the table of the Lord, you look and think, whoa, why in the world did I not make this decision a long time ago? Amen. Her, eat, her eating of the crumbs that fell from the master's table is what gave her knowledge of who he was. She acknowledged him as Messiah, the son of David. This happened only because she had eaten of his crumbs before. She had been around the displays and the manifestations of the spirit somewhere. That's how she knew how to come to him. She was saying, she alluded to the fact that she had eaten of the crumbs. In other words, she was saying, I've watched you. I've observed you. I've stood afar off. She's been that wall dweller. Come on, somebody help me. And she's sitting, he's sitting, she's sitting there confessing, I've been around you and I've watched you heal the sick, raise the dead, heal the lepers. I've watched your ministry and I've stood afar off. I've been that wall dweller, but today... I want you to know I have decided to come out from behind the wall and I've decided to become an inner circle. Though I'm a Canaanite, I'm fixing to have a nature change because I'm coming to you as I am and I am believing that, that you have the answers to my dilemma. Amen. How many believe that Jesus got the answer to your dilemma? You believe that? Everybody's talking about how bad the world is and how it's... How, how it's, how it's going to hell in a handbasket and how everything's turning ugly. And the truth of the matter is, they're right. But can I tell you, Jesus still has the answer to it all. Amen. Hallelujah. I bought an old truck that I had when I was, first came to Popper Bluff as a teenager. Or, well, I was in my 20s, early 20s, and started pastoring. And, it, and we tracked it down after 30 years and bought it back. It's been sitting in the garage and never moved since I sold it to the same old man. And we got it home and we were, Jenny was so excited that we got it back because that was the truck we had when I got, when we were married and had the little children, had been, John wasn't even born, I don't think, when we first had it. But we got it back and uh, we put it in the shed. We don't know what we're going to do with it yet, but we're going to keep it and we're going, we're trying to figure out, me and her are not on the same wavelength of what we're wanting to do with it. <sighs> I'm kind of wanting to rot it. And she says, oh, no, you're not. You're going to keep that baby original. And anyway, um, 
we're kind of attached to it. But one of the things that's really attached to it is that when I first came in 1986 as the pastor in Ninth and Cedar, just a few years after that, we got into a program called Jesus Christ, Your Answer. Visit a local church of God. And we bought a bunch of bumper stickers, and I put it on that truck. And I walked around, there was that bumper sticker. It's still there. Jesus Christ is your answer. Can I have an amen? The outside dweller that day become an inside dweller, and you can too. It was just like the lame man that sat at the gate of the temple, the gate called Beautiful, and I, I'm going to preach on that one these days. That sparked me when I thought about that, the gate called Beautiful. There's got to be something there. I'll have to study it out. But Acts chapter 3, we see the story. The Bible says that he was a lame man from his mother's womb. He was a cripple. He's a cripple from birth. From birth, each and every one of you and I was born as what we call spiritual cripples as well. Unable to walk, unable to move, unable to live on our own because we're sinners. Here, is, here he was sitting as an outsider in the temple. Every single day of his life, he was laid there daily. And can I tell you, he was in eye distance. He was in a, a stone's throw of this temple. There he sat day after day, the outsider sitting behind the walls. Here he was wondering, questioning, seeking, observing, listening to what was going on in the temple. I remember when I got saved at the age of seven years old, stayed in church to about 10 years old, 11. I don't know exactly. I can't remember when I got out of church, got to running with the wrong crowd. We had change of pastor and the church went down and the youth department lost its zeal and before long we were all out. We were all out and back into the world, serving the world and all through my teenage years up until I was almost 18 years of age. I finally got saved in May. I got saved in May and uh, gave my heart and life to the Lord in a revival at Dudley, but gave, rededicated my life and turned 18 that June. And uh, so I've got uh, almost 18 years of age before I come back. But during that time of being out, even when I was up uh, driving a vehicle, I would get under conviction, and at night I would try to pray, and there was a drawing. There's a one, but there were walls. There were barriers. I, were not, I was not a participator of the Spirit. I, didn't be able, I wasn't able to uh, really receive the, the benefits of the Spirit other than grace, the grace of God that watched over me and kept me. And, the, uh, uh, and I, I received the conviction. Thank God for the conviction. I want to tell you that's a gift of God. But nevertheless, I stayed convicted all of those years, and I'd go out partying, acting like I was having fun, but I was miserable. And I, would, I ran from the Lord for several years, and even when I became that guy driving the truck, I'd go park it in a dark alley there in my hometown during the night services of church, and I would sneak through the alley at, at night, and I'd go up and I would peek into the windows to hear and see what was going on. I remember looking over and there was old Mel Parks, the old man that prayed for me. And I could watch him and I'd say, old Mel's doing that. It's still yet, isn't he? And I'd hear the songs and so-and-so. I'd see so-and-so singing and I'd watch them lift their hands. And I was so drawn, but there was a problem. There was a wall between me and them. A wall of resentment. And yet I was the one that chose to get out of the church and I was the one that left. And, and yet that wall, I wanted it. I desired it. I wanted to look into it. I wanted to observe it. But yet I didn't want to really fully commit to it and fully dedicate myself to it. Have you ever been in that place? It's one of the most miserable places you'll ever be in in your life. The in-between. And there are people right here, right now, <laughs> in this service that's living what I lived. It's miserable being the in-between. Sitting here in this service with wonderful things going on, but yet there's a wall. You want to look into it. You want to taste it. You want to observe it. There's a part of you saying, I want that. I want what she's got. I want what he's got. 
but there's just things that won't allow you to do it. There are even immature Christians that's here wanting more, but they got a walsh that they won't put down in order to receive more. Well, I've been there. And it wasn't until Peter and John went up together at the, to the temple at the hour of prayer that things began to change. Upon seeing Peter and John, the layman asked alms of them. Now, this is really weird. This is how he made his living, begging, getting the, the crumbs from the, the compassion of the temper dwellers. The people that were going in the temple, they'd have compassion, throw him a little bit of change. That's him eating from the crumbs. Living off begging. Living off the leftovers. I want to tell you something. I'm not a leftover fan. Amen? I like stuff fresh. Am I the only one like that? I hear these people all the time, man, I just love leftovers. I think, you're crazy, man. Give me something fresh. Get it right off of the pot. I like to eat my fish hot, not cold. Hey, I got somebody on my side. I think it was Chuck. Was it you, Chuck? I don't like to sit around and eat leftovers. It just ain't part of my nature. When my wife eats a pot, makes a pot of dumplings, I want them hot right off the stove. And you don't have to holler for me twice to come to the table. Amen. And if, you, if I got grandkids in front of me, I'm going to run over them. There ain't going to be no wall standing my way, honey. They're not going to get that fresh bread before I get that fresh bread. If I let Samuel get up there, there won't be no bread left. That boy's the bread-eating machine now, I'm telling you. Has been all of his life. And it's odd how in the natural, mama says, come and dine, and boom, we're there. But the Lord says, come and dine, there's resistance. And what the Lord has to offer is so much better. This man's expecting to receive something from them. And yet now, this day would be different. Things is going to change. Looking at Peter and John, expecting to receive from them, he found more than he bargained for. And let me stop right here. Believe me, even though, even though the spectators don't want to move to participate themselves, yet they expect you to do something, they expect you to participate. That's the difference. I want to tell you something. They expect something out of you. They expect you as a, the church, as the body of Christ, as the people of faith, they expect you to participate. That's why they're here. Come on, somebody. There's a little woman in our local church, oh my, who was called Rockin' Ruby up in her 80s and buddy, them old songs would get to singing and woo, she'd come up out of that pew and down that aisle she'd run and dance and dance all the way back up and dance across the front and dance across this front and then fall out. Then she'd get up and she'd start heading back and they'd start to know, so woo, and here she'd do it all over again. And she'd do that all through worship service. And everybody said, oh, isn't that a blessing to watch Rock and Ruby? I will tell you what would be greater is to become a Rock and Ruby. Not just sit there and watch her and say, oh, that makes me feel good. That gives me chill bumps. Well, what do you think she's feeling? And yet so many times we'll sit and watch. You'll see people. I've seen it as a pastor, folks. I'm up here. Things be going up here, and you'll see people in congregations. Well, good night. If I'm that curious, get up here and see what it's all about. Come on, somebody help me preach. Don't sit there like a knot on a log wondering. Hey, if you got questions, come and find out. Come and see that the Lord is good. Can I have an amen? Oh, hallelujah. But the only hope for the outsider is the insider's obedience. Can I have an amen? They expect to see God move on your behalf. That's what gives them the initiative to keep sitting by that wall. Amen? Even sinners 
and outsiders and disobedient people are blessed by the righteous partaking of the Lord's table. Every time I partake of the Lord's table, but whether I know it or not, I'm leaving a residue. I'm dropping crumbs. My wife says, there's one thing about you, two things about you. You eat a lot and you're messy. I contain, I, I contain more than I spill, but I spill a lot. And there are things in this place where people come up and they get so blessed of the Lord that it runs out and leaks out of our lives and it overflow. That's what wall dwellers live off of. They see it. They want it. They observe it. They're enticed by it. Come on. It's what produces the curiosity to keep them looking into it. It's what keeps them coming back. Though they sit there week after week after week after week after week and behind the wall and they don't move themselves, yet they're here. Why? Because something's going on and they just don't understand it and they're looking into it. The crumbs that fall from the wall of our experiences is what feeds and empowers the outsiders, the wall dwellers. It is the crumbs of the spirit that keep them attracted to the place of their dwelling. It's what makes them come back. Many people are piling to churches every single Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, who sit behind walls, barriers, strongholds, and bars. And even though they do not participate in the things of the spirit, or get involved, yet it's the crumbs that keep them coming back, coming back. They get a taste and it entices them. Amen? Notice that it wasn't until after the city had famine and the scrap shut up that the lepers left. I haven't got time to finish this. But I want to tell you something. We can't afford to allow our services to drop and become stale and become boring and become unattractive. You know why? We can't allow our services to become stagnant and die because they're not only feeding us, but just the crumbs, the leftover residue is feeding more than what you and I can ever even anticipate or even think. And the wall dwellers are expecting the move of God here. It's their only hope. That's why they're here. Amen? The very thing that we think is driving people away, the spirited services, is the very thing that's keeping them at our wall. Amen? It's what attracts them. That makes it's what it's it's what makes them curious. The snacks is what makes them hungry for the full meal deal. You got to give them portions. You know, one of the things I'm kind of a picky eater, and I've never liked salads. And one day, Jean said, "You're gonna try this. You're gonna try this." And finally, we we were at Outback Steakhouse eating. I said, "Why would I try something as green and ugly as that is when what's fixing to come to my plate?" <laughs> Amen. Now you're going to try it. It's good for you. You got to quit eating all that meat. You're going to get gout. You're going to. So she, you got to start eating healthier. You got to start. Da, 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 da. So she throws that Caesar salad at me. I take a little bite of it. That's horrible. And, they, and every time we go out, she was making me do that. Now I love Caesar salads. Amen. I, I require a taste for it. And let me tell some of you wall dwellers, just try it. Huh. Just try it. It's like honey to the mouth, amen. Oh, I wish I could preach there for a while. But they don't want us to tone it down or calm it down in our church service. You know what? They expect, they expect us to bring it down. That's what they expect, amen. Like the old Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir song. I think it's them that sung it. Remember that old song, send it on down, send it on down. Oh, let the Holy Ghost come on down. Send it on down, send it on down. Oh, Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on down. 
That's what these wall dwellers want. That's what they, that's why they're here. I love that first verse says, Lord, we're your children and we are asking for you to send down the fire. Our hearts are hungry. Our spirits are thirsty. We need to feel your power. Oh, hallelujah. We need to go understand that. Verse two says, just like the prophet, he said it would be in the last days an outpouring we would see. Yes, we are waiting. We're anticipating, Lord, won't you send your Holy Ghost on down? We need a Holy Ghost outpouring in this place. Remember again, the very thing that we think is driving people away, the spirited service is the very things that's keeping them at the door, at the wall of their experience. Peter says to the layman finally, he comes to him and says, hey, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ and Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And then says, Peter went over and grabbed a hold of his hand and lifted him up and the man received strength in his ankle bones and in his legs and he went walking and leaping and praising God and went into the temple. That was the very day that the outsider become an insider. He who longed and sat there curious and looked into the things of the spirit for years, begging, eating scraps, finally one day got to walk in and experience and see what it was all about for himself. And he went in leaping and worshiping and praising Almighty God. I'm gonna have to get away from my notes because I got about an hour, hour and a half of teaching left. Let me just get down to what the Holy Spirit prophesied to me about. Are you ready for a prophetic word of the Lord? Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, come and fill it with me. <laughs> I'm having a, rev, a, a rendezvous with my Lord here this morning. Woo, praise the name of the Lord. Somebody shout with me in this house. Yeah, amen. The Lord showed me something in this place, and I'm skipping a lot of stuff, but I think I'm getting the general scenario of the message that God put in my heart over to you today is that finally the army, Syrian army had besieged the camp, cut off the supplies, and now there was famine in the church. There was famine in the city, and I, and I use that symbolic as a church. Every church goes through that, no matter how spiritual you are. There's times when the enemy floods you so hard and God allows it for a reason, for a season, to where you go under intense warfare to where what you do is only maintained. The heavens seem to be like, we went through series of hardship like that. Long series. 2010 was one of those years. 2019 was a tough year. But it wasn't nothing like 2010. And, we, and there are times when you just, you can almost earmark it and say, you remember this? You remember when? When the heavens were brass? When the heaven, and, 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 and the church was under an assault, under an attack. And it wasn't that God left us, but there was where under those attacks where there wasn't liberty. And there wasn't that freedom of expression and there wasn't the manifestations. And there wasn't the outpourings and there wasn't the giftedness flowing because the liberty had been locked up. And as a result of that, many lepers that sat at our walls left. And isn't it odd when you need people the most and they leave you? That shows you who's the wall dwellers and who's the real participators. And it'll show you who's really with you and who's really just wall dwellers. And some people that left surprised me. I thought, well, I thought they were insiders, but they weren't. They weren't a part of the inner circle. They just, anytime you need, you know, anytime intense warfare, they just got up and left. That means they're wall dwellers. They wasn't really with you in the first place. Amen. Now, I'm going to stay off of that for a little bit because that's kind of hindering things, locking things up. And that ain't where I'm wanting to go. But nevertheless, we see they left. Now, I preach a sermon that really, 
is uh, that's, that's a good thing that they left in the other sermon, and it'll preach both ways. So it's my sermon here this morning, and you're going to have to put up with it whether you like it or not. Amen? But they leave, and they said, you know, we're not getting no more scraps. There ain't nothing happening in that church no more. Saints are dried up, and that's why I say don't let nothing dry up. We can't afford to let things dry up. Oh, come on. I could preach there a long time, get my point across. How many's got my point where I don't have to be repetitious? Okay. So they leave, and they say, well, we'll just go to the enemy's camp. That's what wall dwellers do when they leave. They lose heart and say, I was right there. You know, I had another example that I was going to use, but because of time I couldn't. It's where Jesus was dealing with the scribe. And did you remember what Jesus told the scribe? You're not far from the kingdom of God. You're close, but you're not in. Now listen to me. Not being in is the same as being out. Amen? Being close is not good enough. There are wall dwellers that are close. They have a form of knowledge of God. They know God. They make a confession of who God is. They, they understand God in a limited way, but yet, that's not good enough because you don't see any fruitfulness. You don't see any kind of uh, productivity. You don't see any kind of zeal. You don't see any kind of hunger. You don't see any services rendered to the Lord. And yet Jesus made it clear, if you don't deny yourself and take up your cross and follow after me, you can't be my disciple. It's a dying out. They, 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 they have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. The power of transformation eludes them. And they don't know how to walk out things in the spirit. But yet they, some, a lot of them claim to be uh, Christians, but in reality, they're not Christians at all. They're Canaanites and they're lepers and they're scribes. They're just wall dwellers because let me tell you, one of the, one of the fruits of being a Christian, Je- Jesus said it himself. You know what it is? He said these words. He said, for them to, for them to walk in the spirit and not to fulfill the lust of their flesh, those that are the sons of God, they're led they're the ones that's led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is what is the evidence of leading us that we're the children of God. Can I have an amen? But these guys finally leave and they go back to the world. They've given it up, saying, you know, we're not getting no more crumbs. We'll just go back to the world. We're not going to try another church. We're not going to try another place. We'll just go back to the world. They go down to the enemy's camp, and on the way down there, God sets a miraculous miracle for them. And um, as they're walking, God makes it sound like a bunch of horses and an army coming, scares the Syrians. They jump up and leave, and they leave all the spoils, all silver, gold, everything. And the lepers get there and think, what in the world has taken place? And all of a sudden, they start getting silver and gold, and they go hide it. They come back, get more, you know, because there's more than what they could carry in one, one trip, and they get more, and they take it, and they hide it. And they finally see that they're not coming back, and they just start hoarding it up and piling it on their, uh, they left all kinds of things, horses, wagons, they started piling it up, and guess where they went back to? They went back to the city that fed them. They never forgot where they got the crumbs. But this time, they don't come back as wall drillers. Somewhere there was a conversion and the Lord spoke to me and said, those that have sat by the walls of indifference in your church, 
those spiritual cripples, those scribes, those Canaanites, those lepers that have sat by week after week, month after month, year after year in your church. Some of them has done left and gone because of the different warfare that you've experienced. Don't worry about it because they've heard and they've seen and my word has not went out void. Even though they tried to leave it, yet I never left them. Amen. And my word has not gone out void. And what they have heard went with them and it has tormented them just like Kent when you was a little boy. You walked out on me, but I never walked out on you. In your weakness, I'm made strong. And I want you to know that when you were unlovable, I still loved you and I chased you. I haunted you. I chose you. I went with you. And I want you to know all those years, I tried to leave the Lord, but the Lord would not leave me. And it's all because in my young childhood, I ate of crumbs. I wasn't mature. I wasn't developed. I didn't know God in a deep theological way or an experiential way other than salvation. But I want to tell you something. God spoke to me and prophesied to me, and he told me to tell the prophetic word, get ready because all of those people that have left and all of those ones of your loved ones that have been those wall dwellers that you never could get through to, those that sat there week after week, after we, there's some still here today there's some that's still gone but nevertheless I want you to know they're coming back and when they come back they're not going to be coming in as, as lame but they're going to come in as leapers worshiping and praising God they're not going to come in as lepers they're going to come in as leaders they're not going to come in as a scribe they're going to come in singing Lord send the Holy Ghost on down Lord send the Holy Ghost on down Hallelujah. Well, bless you. Well, glory. Man, somebody needs to get excited here with me. They know where they were fed. They know what was real. They'll come back. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Now, I got to thinking about that. And the Lord just kind of put it into my spirit. We're talking about revival. There ain't nothing that can revive a church anymore than a fresh, full congregation of new converts. Nothing can refresh a church like that. I have to admit it. Some of us old people, we're soured. We've been in this thing so long, we've gotten used to it and taken it for granted. Them young people come on sometimes have to revive us. Sometimes we get stuck. Hallelujah. Lord is good, isn't he? And these fresh people come in and all of a sudden they start running off from us who's been saved for 30 years. It kind of provokes us to jealousy. Come on. Sometimes we need some fresh blood coming in showing us how to have church. Amen. Amen. Somebody needs to get on board with me here this morning. You, you understand what I'm saying? We can't afford to get stuck, but some of us do get stuck. God gets to moving, and we're so used to it. Oh, well, we get that all the time. And before long, we quit, we quit throwing crumbs. We quit casting crumbs. It dries up, and then God has to go out and get a bunch of sinners young converts saved to bring them in to refresh and revive us. 
I don't know about you this morning, but I'm hungry for some real stuff here today. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm sorry I didn't get to finish the message. But 